When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back in, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by Currency Time for another Jock Doc Wednesday as we welcome in Dr. Brandon Seifert from Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, how are you doing following the, the Christmas holiday, the New Year's holiday, getting back into the flow of things at work? How are you doing today? Glad you I'm great, buddy. I'm happy to be back, uh, kind of going here. We just had our first day back in the office today, so it's good to be back, good to be going. How about you? How was the holidays for you? Well, it's a weird combination. It's our first day back today as well, and it's a weird combination of the break. In the middle of it, it felt too long. I was ready to get back, but then whenever I woke up this morning, I said, oh, I could have gone a couple more days. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff, buddy. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Brandon, big, big story on Monday Night Football as uh, scary moments on the field between the Bills and the Bengals as uh, Hamlin, the defensive back from the Bills, took a shot to the chest, stood up briefly, went down onto the field. Uh, sounds like his heart was stopped on the field, and then uh, he was brought back by team personnel. And uh, Dr. Brady, your reaction watching that injury? Yeah, you know, obviously an extremely scary uh, scenario that happens there. The biggest fear of somebody who does stand on a lot of sidelines is something like that happening. You know, fortunately, super rare. Um, you know, you start to run the scenarios through your mind about what could have happened there, what leads to something you know terrible like that. Um, you know, I haven't heard any updates today, but I hope that young man is is recovering and, and doing well. But I haven't heard anything about it today, at least from an update perspective. So. As you look at that, um, obviously very traumatic. It's very traumatic for the players in the field, but you really have to commend the EMS staff and the sports med staff. They were right on top of it and were able to get chest compressions going right away and really you know, save, save that gentleman's life most likely. Um, I know there's going to be people out there maybe trying to criticize the whole scenario of this, but they did an amazing job. So I think that's important to note that. Um, as we kind of dive into this and start asking questions, of course, there's a lot of speculation out there in terms of what exactly happened. Uh, they haven't said specifically yet, at least I haven't seen any updates to indicate that. Some things that kind of come forth uh, with this type of uh, injury, this type of uh, event happening, probably the one that rises to the top of the list, the things that we always try to screen for early in the season, a big term out there is called heterotopic uh, or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is essentially an enlargement of the muscular wall of the heart um, over time in our athletes that can lead to what we call dysrhythmia, dysrhythmias, where essentially the heart doesn't beat right. There's a thing called ventricular fibrillation, where the heart is not beating right, it's not pumping blood out, it kind of doesn't have its appropriate electrical signals. As a result of that, you can go into cardiac arrest, which could have been a snore here. I don't know that. Um, at that level, usually you would have found that by now. There's a lot of preseason testing that's done to look for that. Um, but that would be something that you see most commonly in you know, sudden death in athletes that have a you know, cardiac arrest on the basketball court or playing football. could be for that. The other thing that's been thrown around is, you know, before this happened, you know, he took a direct blow to the chest. Um, there's a term out there called commotio cordis, which is basically Latin for agitation of the heart. 
Um, you hear this more in our younger athletes who take like a direct blow to the chest. The young baseball player takes a baseball to the chest and they go into cardiac arrest. Just like it says in Latin, it's essentially any type of irritation to the heart that would cause what we call a dysrhythmia, where it changes the rhythm, basically gets into ventricular fibrillation where your no heart's no longer beating, and then you go into cardiac arrest. Those would be kind of the two biggest things that would kind of come to the top of the list in this scenario, you know, causing a cardiac arrest like that on the field. And so those would be the two things I would kind of lean towards as a possible diagnosis for him. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday talking to the Bills. DeMar Hamlin, that scary scene on Monday night. Hamlin still in critical care uh, at a local hospital in Cincinnati. And Dr. Brandon, quickly, let, let's get into what actually goes down on the field in a situation like this because he was down on the field for a while. It was a scary moment as uh, the, the Bills and Bengals players were praying together. Uh, it was a, a really a terrifying scene. And I want to get into what's actually happening down on the field. I know he was receiving CPR for nine minutes or, or somewhere around that mark. And I also was assuming there were probably some, some pads being cut off, the, the helmet being taken off. And I just want to get into what's actually happening in this situation with team personnel as, as Hamlin's down on the field and they're trying to bring him back. Yeah, and then so, you know, your first thing, you see a guy go down, looks like it's a scenario where he's, he's gone unconscious at that point. Um, interesting scenario is you're assessing that very quickly. A guy stands up, looks pretty good, all of a sudden just falls back over. You start to think about, you know, something cardiopulmonary, a heart or lung issue that would result in something like that. Usually if you're going to have, you know, some type of impact concussion injury, you just stay down on the field. So already as you're running out of the field, that's going through your mind. As you get out there, you do your quick assessment, try to get any kind of response out of the athlete. If they're not responding to you, then obviously you go quickly to your, you know, ABCs, every breathing circulation, so you're going to feel for a pulse, you know, put your ear down to see if there's any breathing. Obviously, you're going to try to stimulate the athlete. And then from that point on, if you're not getting anything going, you can't feel the pulse, then you jump right into doing the chest compressions. And then from there, fortunately, you've got EMS. You want to basically wave them on the field almost immediately so they come out and have all of their equipment. So you can hook them up to what we call an AED with a defibrillator machine. And that, those typically have a, a, a rhythm strip on there. You can kind of read what's going on with the heart at that point. But all the while, you're starting your chest compressions to at least try to get some blood flowing. And then once you get your pads on, now you've got your EMS people there. You've got your EKG or at least a rhythm strip. You can see what's going on with the uh, myocardium. And then at that point, you can decide if shocks need to be administered. And obviously, if you have an AED there, that's going to deliver better shocks and better compressions, essentially, than, or give you a better outcome than if it's just alone and so that's what they're doing and then once you kind of get those going he's hooked up you got your monitors all set to go then at that point you want to start thinking about putting in you know airway management you start to slip in like we call endotracheal tube to control you know breathing and then from there you're on a stretcher you're in the ambulance and you're trying to get to an emergency facility as quickly as possible for other uh, life-saving measures and that's how that basically scenario should go in a, you know, a perfect scenario Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, where does this, this medical discussion go now for DeMar Hamlin? Still in critical condition, a couple days removed from the incident. Still sounds like he's on some sort of a, a ventilator, though he has been breathing under his own power, it sounds like, uh, which confused me a little bit. But I just want to get your take on where uh, the, the medical discussion goes now surrounding his health. Yeah, and so at this point, the, the big unknowns are, so you know, what happens if you know the heart's not working? Well, you're not getting blood to your brain, so basically the brain becomes oxygen-starved. And then at that point, you know, if, if your brain cells, any cells nearby for that are not getting blood or oxygen, they start to die. And so the big question is going to be how much damage was done, you know, to his brain. 
and then from there, trying to figure out how much damage is done. It's basically going to be a process here over the next couple of days as they start to withdraw some of those supportive measures. Um, so, for example, you just mentioned that he's able to breathe on his own. Well, that's good. That indicates, you know, a certain type of brain function is still there. Um, and then you'll maybe start to turn off some of the sedation to see what kind of things can he do. Um, can his body start to support itself as you start to pull away different modalities that you're using to, whether it's you know, blood pressure support or, you know, ventilatory support. You start to pull those things back and see what the what the patient's going to show you in terms of things they can do. And as they start to gain more of that control back, and you just keep pulling them further back, eventually to the point where the patient's doing the stuff on their own, and obviously the intratracheal tube can come out and they can start breathing on their own. Um, and so that'll be the process over the next couple of days. Um, sometimes with these types of injuries, if there has been maybe a significant injury to the brain, then they may have to you know, control some brain swelling, you can have some brain swelling as a result of that, and so that might slow down this process of kind of pulling away some of those measures. Um, and that'll basically be, unfortunately, there's there's no way to know that until you essentially start to pull those things away and kind of it's a self-discovery process in terms of what kind of damage has been done. It's really hard to predict where he'll be. Hopefully, he'll end up with some really good function, um, but it's hard to say at this point. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday. And Dr. Brandon, thank you for the insight today. Have fun uh, with this week getting back to work and getting back in the rhythm of things, all right? Okay, Elijah, you take care, buddy. Have a great week.